Hello and welcome to episode 12 of the Outer View podcast, a podcast with myself, Alan Swan, all about the art of media interviewing. We'll go through all the bits and bobs from last week's podcast with Ariel Halwani at the end of this podcast, but let's get straight into this week's episode. It's my conversation with Charlotte Regan. Charlotte is from Ireland, but London-based. He's a, a comedian and the creator of the award-winning Irish Man Abroad podcast, which is a series of weekly podcasts all about interviewing people from Ireland or have a connection with Ireland first, second, third generation about moving abroad what it's like to live outside of Ireland uh, and the struggles successes and, and what that brings to their lives every episode is always a fascinating insight into the life of somebody and it's everything from sport literature Acting, you don't know who you're going to get every week, and that's what's brilliant about it. So I, I uh, uh, encourage you to go to jigzer.com, which is his website. Download the app, or go to the iTunes. You'll just search "An Irishman Abroad," and you should go listen to it. In this episode, I talked to Charlotte uh, about how to get a guest to open up, dealing with tension, and uh, also how being lazy is ruining the world. Uh, we have a good old chat, good old natter, and I really enjoyed it. Charlotte's got a very unique. You'll hear this a unique style uh, in his delivery. Hear it in his podcast, and you'll hear it in this chat that I have with him. He brings some great insight into the world of interviewing. And what I like about Charlotte is he doesn't come from the traditional journalistic radio broadcast background. I feel he takes it from a completely takes it from a completely different angle, and that's what's so great about him. So, look, I hope you enjoyed the conversation, episode twelve of the Outer View, and I'll talk to you at the end of this for all the other bits and bobs that we've done over the last couple of weeks. I read somewhere, Charlotte, that you've always been fascinated by the art of interviewing, that, you know, whenever the opportunity arose, you were always in there. You always wanted to talk to people. Mm, yeah, that'd, that'd be right. Um, I guess I probably first had my opportunity to interview people when I did a show for TV3 in around 2007 about my journey to the Edinburgh festival was my first year going over and we kind of had a blank canvas as to what to do with it the BAI gave us a bunch of money back when everybody was throwing bunches of money at everybody to make tv shows and uh, I suggested that I interview kind of the greats of Irish comedy about how they navigated the festival and you know I quickly became obsessed with that uh, more than anything else I was putting way more energy into that than even the show at the time the the Edinburgh show that was meant to be stressing me out the whole way through it I just loved the interviews similarly Neil Hannon came out to UCD to accept an award and I remember being asked to interview him and I just plunged myself into the research <laughs> I now know a ridiculous amount about Neil Hannon and unfortunately on the day Neil was more interested in getting the uh, questions from the students right okay <laughs> and he ended up getting asking two questions where, where, does that, where does that curiosity come from or where does that where does that kind of that um, hunger for the research come from for the research a couple of places probably uh, one is not wanting to be made a fool of you don't want to look silly you want to you want to honour the guest or the person you're interviewing too because you we all have a radar for uh, shysters and when someone, you can tell when someone hasn't read Ulysses. <laughs> uh, so, you know, particularly if you're the person who wrote Ulysses. So whenever I speak to someone, I always think that the best way of getting them to open up is if they feel 
you you've actually read the stuff and you'd be amazed how many people haven't read the stuff so you're immediately separating yourself from everyone else that they talk to you just don't want to be viewed like everyone else because usually the people that you're speaking to are so sick of doing interviews that uh this will be a welcome relief like i even remember richard hughes the jockey written this incredible book about his battle with alcoholism and you know he'd spoken about it at length in the media and he said to me afterwards you know uh, and he said to a couple of people afterwards was obviously read the book which i was like he was amazed at that it was just more every time that happens it gives you more and more reason to do it yeah because you realize this is the fine margins in the different in life is some people aren't doing the extra bit most people aren't doing the extra bit and if you are then you're automatically a few steps ahead do you think it's because we're in a world now of sound bites that you know people are more open to doing a bit more long form because they're sick of being either misquoted or you know the long answer they gave is chopped up into 15 seconds or they give you know the, the, the an interview should be really a conversation from what i've from all the people i've interviewed so far in this podcast people are saying that you know that the best interviews are almost conversational where it's it becomes a chat and that the person listening in are always eavesdropping on this conversation and um, do you think it's a world of sound bites that's ruining the art of interviewing i'd say it's a factor but, you know, what is it, what are we talking about? We're talking about people being lazy. And that's kind of ruining the world. That's not even about a scrolling news feed on your Facebook. That may be what's tapped into the laziness of people who aren't willing to, you know, go through the channels or read the paper. But laziness is the biggest epidemic in the world today like a pure bone idle ah, i'll see if i can skim through this you know that's what i believe is the product of the reason why so many things are deteriorating because the the work's not being done people want an instant hit including the journalist the journalist wants to go to the wikipedia page yeah and go right well those are the facts and you're like, no, those are the facts that, you know, whatever person controlling that page have decided are the ones they can reference and back up. But there's interpretation and so many different angles that, the, you know, it is just come down to how willing are you to go underneath to see what else you can get. Like I would... I think I'm the greatest at this. Like I'm not just to be clear. I don't think, and I've got all the answers. <laughs> like I make a lot of mistakes. I've taken shortcuts at times where you're like, ah, that was. I didn't even realize that was a shortcut, but that was a shortcut. And that's why when I'm doing these interviews that I do, I'll generally keep going right up until I walk in the room. Keep researching until you open the door now there's something to be said for allowing time for it to sit and go for a walk and then kind of cast it all out of your mind and as matt cooper said to me then go in with four words on a page let the conversation occur but you can still be cramming 
Absolutely. And what, and, what, and what is your kind of preparation routine? Is there, have you got a set routine that you always, a, a kind of a go-to start that, that, that sets the routine in motion? Or is it different every time because everyone's different? It is different every time. Just depends. You would never research a rugby player the same as you'd research um, an actress. Uh, there's so many different ways to do it and so many, there's no right or wrong way. It's whatever works for you whatever gets the information to go in. I'm very uh, aural. So if I hear it, it'll stay in. Yeah. If I read it, I need to be writing a note on it and talking to someone about the notes. Then it'll stay in. But if I'm just reading it, if I've made no note of it, it's not, not staying in. Yeah, it goes in and uh, goes out straight away. Yeah, I'm sure it's in there somewhere, but I have to hear it. It's the, definitely the best way for me. So I try and track down as many things I can listen to or watch uh, and then make the notes within that. But like I kind of come from the Irish school system and university system where at the time I was probably one of the big voices railing against the method and the process used in universities and secondary school of uh, learn the facts, regurgitate the facts, don't forget them for the rest of your life. Yeah. Yeah, it's all, it's just a memory game. You don't actually, you know, uh, really uh, take it all in. It's just who has the best memory gets the best leave insert. Mm, yeah, I mean that's the way it feels at the time. Um, certainly, when you go on, then and you go into university, and if you study what I studied, which was arts, you realize that mm, yeah, they were training that muscle, and that muscle is really important. That's a really important muscle. There's other muscles and there's other, you know, uh, disciplines with which you can use it, such as science. Uh, but have those things at your disposal in that short-term, long-term patch of memory is really crucial to kind of doing well at anything in life. So I kind of found once I exploited it through college, through the worst means possible, I so philosophy and politics learned everything, puked it on the page, <laughs> forgot it all, uh, walked away. And if someone asked me about philosophy, I couldn't tell them a thing, but I got it to one. Uh, that ability and that, that that skill that you learn there is largely what I employ every single week with the interviews. Is I I can gather all that Keith Wood information everything to the finest detail of what his dad did and have it ready for you know that hour uh, but then if you ask me about it a week later i'd remember it but i wouldn't i don't remember all of it i remember hearing dick cavett say the same thing dick cavett is one of my biggest influences uh a u.s talk show host if anybody hasn't seen dick cavett's work it's funny enough it's absolutely imperative you watch it the last podcast we did in series one was with ryan turberty and that's that's who his main go-to influence is as mm. well yeah and uh, i think you can see it in ryan as well the uh, uh the guy is the model for long-form tv interviews although unfortunately ryan's show isn't long-form tv interviewing as dick cavett did it so it's kind of hard for him to to uh, do it the way dick did but uh the uh, he, Dick Cavett would have experiences of going to the drinks after the show, and someone would say to him, "Who was on tonight?" 
and he couldn't remember. <laughs> That's a true story. That's a true story. He talked to Alec Baldwin on his podcast about that, and he said, just blank. Or he'd go to commercial. Who's on next? Can't remember until the person's sitting there ready to go. It's amazing. That, that, that is kind of my experience of how that Irish school system when, has largely helped me. When you were starting off, Charlotte, you know, you know, doing stand up and so on, and I know, you, like, if you even go to your website, there, there's there's so many kind of um, strings to your bow that everything from um, your your fantastic reading cards to um, to your stand up comedy and your shows that you're that you're known for. But the podcasting thing, you know, uh, came later on in your career. But let's just go back to when you were doing these interviews. What you know, apart from um, Dick Cavett, was there anyone else that kind of influenced you on? on to to this to the style that you have now, or or made you want to be a better interviewer? Was there anyone that that stood out apart from Decavo that you kind of went? Do you know what Th- that person there has has really got a great grasp of, of this art? You know, uh, a lot of the times the people that influence you to be a comic are the ones that you think I can do it better than that. Like you see what someone's doing wrong, and you go. Oh, I'd never do that. Mm-hmm. And and I think a lot of people who go into interviewing are the same way. That uh, I would have watched the Late Late Show as a child, and you know, just been exasperated watching Gay Byrne because in the latter half of his career, I got a full respect to the man. He was so condescending to young people and to his guests that it was. Well done now, aren't you? Very good with your little boy band, aren't you? Mm. And if you watch that boys on thing, it's like you're dealing in a world there, gay, that you know nothing about and you've given zero credit to it. And I kind of watched that going, why couldn't he have just taken the time to look at the world and see that the Backstreet Boys were, (laughs) you know making millions uh like why not why not look around and know a bit more about this yeah because i certainly don't under underplay yeah because i knew who boys own were going to be yeah. who knew you uh, uh underestimated those boys as silly as they looked it was almost sneery because i actually only saw the clip recently on reeling in the ears and it's only when you look back on something over and over again you kind of go god there was a bit sneery now that was going on there at the time when you were watching it you know when it happened you you kind of you're in the moment but when you look back on it time and time again you do go yeah i kind of you know there was a bit sneery well that was uh gay burn would have been a big influence because like so many people i was forced to watch it there was nothing else on nowhere else to be i lived in the countryside that's what we were watching at half nine on a Friday night. And so you were presented with an awful lot of grown up situations on that show and uh, how he dealt with it uh, was, you know, my first model. And then I guess Michael Parkinson be next. And, you know, to me, he's the standard bearer this side of the Atlantic. I don't think it gets better. Uh, I remember talking to Ardell O'Hanlon about how he did it and his experience of it. And he said, uh, the researchers were incredible at drawing it out. And that kind of made me sad because I was like, wow. So the researchers are ringing you months in advance and having conversations with you. Now, I don't know if he listens back to those conversations, but those conversations then inform 
you know, the chat that he has because he knows the good areas to go into. But it goes back um, to your, your, you know, doing the research and having that respect for, even though it was a team of people doing it, mm. you know, the, the, the time, the effort, the resources, the, the respect was put in to get the information, to set up the questions, to have it perfect for that guest. Mm. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that would be Michael Parkinson. Um, and then, obviously, with the explosion of podcasts, probably influence my like I think your style is your style you you yeah. don't pick it it picks you you are who you are uh, you know what kind of thing you like listening to and you know my style isn't for everyone I don't think that my my style is the style I don't think I chose it uh, I, I listened to podcasts obviously what the fuck uh, I listened to Pete Holmes' podcast, You Made It Weird, Alec Baldwin's Here's the Thing, Barry Katz, Industry Standard. Uh, I loved, you know, Richard Herring's. Uh, I listened to pretty much everything you can lay your hands on, I listened to. I would be driving for so many hours. I was listening to like maybe 36, 40 hours of podcasts a week. It was yeah. ridiculous. Um, uh, so that was kind of what influenced me I, I think you're a bit a bit hard on yourself because one of the, the the things that i love about your podcast an irishman abroad and i encourage everyone to download it um one of the podcasts that really stood out for me was your conversation with ron nogara and it really struck me how um unique your own style is and there's very few people that have you know the way you i i think you're very you probe an awful lot you're very subtle your delivery is very gentle and I think it can be somewhat disarming for people when they come on your show. Like Ron Agar at the very beginning, you know, your, your first couple of questions, he immediately went, oh, it's going to be that type of interview. I, did, I, I, I kind of, he underestimated you before the podcast began. Um, do, how do you feel when somebody says to you, look, you're, you're, you're very subtle, you're very gentle, you, you're, not, you're, not, you're not an aggressive interviewer by any means? I think sometimes, I think uh, you may have that wrong with Ronan in that you're giving me too much credit because <laughs> Ronan was the one who has listened to the show and it emerged straight away that he'd listened to a bunch of them because he's living in Paris. He's on his own a lot, commuting in and out to uh, uh, Rassing. Uh, he had listened to them and he got it and yeah. he liked it and he wouldn't have done it if he didn't. This is the other thing. Uh, I do what I do and the people that volunteer to be on it know what it is. I don't have ever have the situation where the person is going, so what is this? You know, I rarely, rarely, rarely have someone going, so an hour of, of this and, you know, it's introspection. <laughs> and, uh, so usually they volunteer knowing what it's going to be. And if they don't, you can quickly get them on the page just in the 10 seconds or minute beforehand like i remember with jape saying i can remember the key words that i knew resonated with him were that this is a show about life inspiration and the struggle between the two yeah and just saying that to him you listen to that episode and straight away he's into he's deep he's in his soul and he's talking about his writing process and with Ronan, I think I said to him beforehand, and this is probably a good tip if there are any tips to give, is that you can prep your subject. In every case, it's different, but in some cases, you can prep your subject by letting them know who they're speaking to, who listens. And I told Ronan who listens and what they get from it. 
and very briefly told them the kind of messages that we receive from people and how these conversations let them know that they're not on their own in their struggle abroad. And I think that was the thing that he ran with on the day. Yeah. Very, very much so. And so, you know, which brings me to my next question. When you're interviewing somebody, because of the fact that they know what they're getting themselves into, you don't, you presumably don't reach too many interview cul-de-sacs where you're asking questions, or do you? I saw you write that down in the mail you sent me before this, cul-de-sacs. I don't know what that means to... To, to be honest, I didn't really know what yeah, you no, meant it, by it. Yeah, if, if you are interviewing somebody and you ask them a question and they don't really want to go down that road uh, and you're kind of stuck, in, is there any way that you can you know, manoeuvre or tease it out of them? Or do you kind of, you know, if you ask a question and your, your interviewee goes, look, I'm not going there, do you, do you press it or do you kind of go, do you know what, it's not worth the effort? Or it just depends on the person. I've never had it. Yeah. Uh, mainly because I... I think that you decide if such a thing exists. Like if you, like I would say, the first way of avoiding that from happening is by asking before you go in, is there anything you don't want me to go near? And they'll usually say it. I remember someone recently saying, just not Conor McGregor. Don't mention Conor McGregor to me. And, uh, you know, you you get that and you could go, you can either go right, no problem, I get it. Like, or if it's, don't mention the the trial. You know, well yeah, then yeah, it's yeah. obvious legally we can't mention it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But if he says to you, don't mention uh, Conor McGregor, you can go before we start. Do you mind me asking why? And they may go. Everybody asks me about it, and you know my employer doesn't like it, and um, and I can't actually talk about it. Uh, for these reasons so then you know why and you don't feel you're not going to avoid those areas so that'll be the first thing but the the next thing is that like let's say we're uh, i'm asking you here about you know well what are your download numbers on the podcast and you don't want to go into that yeah and you you know it's basic conversation 101 isn't it yeah like if you're on a date with a girl and she goes um i don't want to talk about my school uh you have to have it in you it's like a boxer in some ways you've got to be able to you know duck the jab go underneath go and put something else you've just got to have that resource available yeah there is no cul-de-sac if you've done the research there just isn't there's no such thing. They there's only uh, one one suggestion uh, by you being met by another. So the other person makes a suggestion. We don't talk about that. You can immediately go. Why are there things in this world that you don't want to talk about? I mean that, that that's the most basic answer to somebody saying I'm not going to talk about that. Yeah, you've driven yourself so, down the you, you've driven yourself down your own road. Yeah, well, my using point an awful is, lot of driving analogies yeah. here, sorry. <laughs> yeah, but my point is that, like, yeah, if you're going to go down that road, you have to be prepared for uh, what you're going to meet. Mm. And, I, like I say, I, I'm very careful in this chat not to sound like, oh, your man thinks he knows everything. I'm just saying that, like, when you're going out for a pint with a lad, yeah. 
to be ready for him not to want to talk about everything you want to talk about. Well, like, look, this is the beauty of, the, of this podcast is that everyone's different and everyone's got a different style. And, you know, I suppose, you know, every conversation that I have with everyone that I've interviewed so far and the 10 podcasts, 10 podcasts that we've done, um, there's always one or two absolute pure nuggets that you get from it. You kind of go, God, I never thought of that. So there's never an instance where I think, do you know what, this lad here thinks he knows everything about everything. Um, you know, the fact that you're you're sharing your process is fantastic because we got a lot of, of, of students that listen to this podcast that email me saying, I've learned this, I've learned that. And that for me is the ultimate goal of doing this in the first place is that, mm. you know, somebody's actually learning about this. Um, yeah. That, you know, if we get one student that was doing media that was taking the lazy route that decided, you know what, I'm actually going to do a bit more prep now. I'm actually going to do the bit more process. And they end up doing a really cool podcast. Well, this is all worthwhile. Yeah. You know? yeah no. um, noble, noble stuff. Uh, last couple of questions. Um, are you critical of yourself? Do you listen back to your, to your work? Um, are you the type of person that you do your podcast, do your interview, and it's done? Or do you go back to it, take it apart, and go, do you know what? I could have done it this way, gone around this way. As much prep you put in, do you go back over I never, ever, ever, ever am happy with it, I'll be totally honest. Yeah. Never, ever, ever, ever have I walked away going, got it. So there's two sides to you. You walk away and go, if only I'd asked this then. You, I think it's normal to, to want to, to feel like that. But then there's the other half of you that has to accept. The conversation went where it went. And who knows what that would have done. You only got what you got because it went the way it went. So when you look back and you're critical of your work, which a lot of students and a lot of people will be, I think that I hate when people go, oh, well, maybe sure it was all for luck. But, you know, <laughs> that's a very easy way out of never having to be critical of yourself. But yeah. certainly in conversation limited to one hour or 20 minutes, one shot at it and it is what it is and it has an organic form of its own and who's to say that they wouldn't have clammed up like I had a situation with Aidan Gillen uh, I questioned him about why are you so uncomfortable in interviews and he goes ah you've made it now you've made it awkward haven't you and I was like like you can listen to this on the podcast it's like no like what do you mean he goes now I can't talk now. It's just, you know, it's just being self-conscious about doing interviews and telling people stuff. And he like completely clammed up in that moment. <laughs> completely like he was nearly at the point of going, we're done. Wow. Yeah, putting, sitting back with the mic and going, can't really go anywhere from there. And, and here's the per and here's the perfect opportunity for and if you want to know how Jarlett saved that situation, download the podcast. Don't tell well, how you fixed it. The, that actual podcast is only available through the Irish Men Abroad app, <laughs> which uh, is free. Yes, you can't get it on iTunes, but it is worth downloading because that's the hardest I've ever had to work. Uh, there's been tricky other situations, but think about that one if you're someone who interviews people where the person goes you've quite called into question the whole notion of interviews and the person has said you're right you know what they're a load of bollocks what am i doing here yeah, yeah. and you got to try and get them back on side from there manage to eventually now that's a cul-de-sac yeah but it, there's always a wall no, at the I end know of a cul-de-sac. No, I'm just facetious there. No, listen. Uh, the the last question. I know that you've you, you uh, I read recently that you the one person that you'd love to interview, um, mm -hmm. and he has escaped your grasp so far is is Roy Keane. 
Um, yeah, he's one of many. Yeah. yeah. Why? Why do you think Roy is? What makes Roy that standout person? I know there's the obvious. Is there anything per- personally that you'd love to ask him? And why would that be? He's ex- exceptionally funny, man. Like the, he's real funny guy. Like in every sense, uh, he's lived, and he's the most influential character in modern Irish sporting history. Uh, everyone has an opinion of the man. Mm. And I wonder, uh, you know, what would it be like to sit down with him? Because if you think about it, he's never had a good experience with long-form interviews. One of them got him fired out of United. One of them got him fired out of Ireland. You know, he's not going to want to do it. So if you can get him to volunteer, it'd be amazing. I also listened to his Matt Cooper interview. That kind of made me go, wowzers, I'm never going to get this interview because that was the be-all and end-all of Roy Keane interviews. Live at Vicker Street, all the questions, Matt hit them all. That's amazing. And uh, the crack between the two of them yeah. was just immense. And I just, I still think that our one would be different. This is the thing. And that's the thing, yeah. You know two conversations are the same. And I think if, if Roy listened to it, if Roy ever listens to the show, he, he may volunteer to do it. But you kind of have to get someone at the right time in their life. Yeah for the chat like Roy could listen to one of the chats like say listen to the Jerry Buting Dean Strain one from last week he'd probably run a mile and go well, why would I be on that it's a very serious law talk show <laughs> but if he listened to the Ronald Gar one yeah. yeah I mean I, I know that Graham McDowell listened to the Ronald Gar one and said and got in touch to say I'd like to do one he said I don't know anything about rugby but I appreciated <laughs> that conversation yeah. about sport and we're in the process of getting that set up once he has a minute free. Well, I encourage everyone to download uh, the app firstly, which is free and available. Is jigsaw.com is your website, That's which right. will have all the links to it. And uh, Jarla, thank you so much for, for um, sharing your knowledge and sharing your time on the podcast today. Great chat, Alan. All the best. Thank you for listening to this week's edition of The Outer View for RTE Radio 1 Extra. You can find out more about The Outer View at alanswan.com.